0: Welcome back to the Malouli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 267. This is Tim Maluli, uh, and with me today is Brendan. Brendan, how you doing?
1: Um, Okay, now that we're back here in the office, yeah. uh, we lost power. Uh, yeah. Unexpected power outage Monday evening uh, this week. A lot of people in uh, Monmouth County area were yeah. affected.
0: One of the quickest but craziest thunderstorms I think I've seen in years came through here on Monday night it yeah. was nuts knocked out a lot it's, of power
1: it's pretty wild how used to the modern conveniences we become like I, yeah. c- I can I can do it without TV or internet that's like a minor minor annoyance in my book but right. uh air conditioning this yeah. time of year was uh definitely what I missed the most
0: yeah at, at my house we were missing power from I think like 7:15 on Monday night through until like 2 p.m. 3pm on Tuesday. You're right, sleeping at night without any air conditioning. Uh, We've definitely been spoiled by the AC units. Yeah, I mean, even without apps or TV or internet, or just like electricity in general, Monday night, it was like 830. It was getting dark and the power went out. I was like, well, I guess I'll go to bed. Like this is what this is what happened before electricity. Oh, it's dark out. Time to go to bed. Yeah,
1: put <laughs> puts things into uh, perspective for sure.
0: Yeah. So before we dive into the couple articles that we have today, I want to talk about the Mets for a second and how it always reminds me of the sequence of returns in terms of like investing and and how it matters. Uh, I guess to an extent, like when in terms for the Mets when they win because mm. it's a long season but the season gets a lot shorter when there's the trade deadline coming up and teams kind of need to make a decision in July whether they're going to be buyers or sellers or if they're essentially going to go for it that year. Yeah. Uh, it turned the last couple of years for the Mets, they've always they've had really rough June's and that's kind of ruined their season. So now they're at the point where even if they play really well down the stretch They're, like, too far out of it, and they have to, like, the trade deadline's next week. They're not going to, they're going to be selling, like, players at this point, even if they 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 end up at, like, around 500, which you think at the end of the year, like, oh, that's not too bad, but.
1: The path they took to get there matters. Yeah, definitely. That's what you're saying, And, and winning games down the stretch to get back to 500 uh, is maybe not as exciting as if they um, had perhaps hovered around 500 all season long, right? Nice and even. Uh, win a game, lose a game. Win a game, lose a game. Right. Yeah. Not not that way. You have a uh, you know a month where you lose several in a row, and then pick up one and lose several more. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely changes the perspective of the fan base, and it changes the way that they operate the team from like a management perspective.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um. So yeah, kind of Inter- like sequence. Interesting kind of like sequence of returns. There's actually an article this week uh, that kind of talks about uh, that period of time where people are most concerned with sequence of returns, and that's uh, early early retirement time frame. And a uh, really good article from Ben Carlson about how you may have longer than you think uh, to invest for retirement. And he touched on uh, a big concept that we discuss with clients who maybe feel the pressure of early retirement, believing that that the biggest risk they face in that phase of their life is the market crashing or a recession or, or both. Uh, and when in reality, you know, obviously those those uh, do have an impact on the way that you manage your cash flows and your portfolio. But uh, there, there are other things to consider at that point. And, and I thought Ben did a pretty good job putting uh, some of these changes that we've experienced in modern society uh, into perspective.
0: Yeah, he's, he talked about one of the numbers, like going back to, he said 1870, at 90% of males were in the labor force, like participating in the labor force. Whereas today, that number is down to 20%. And this is for uh, males over the age of 65 yeah so back in 1870 90 of the males who were over the age of 65 were still working whereas... right there's
1: there's no such thing as retirement then if, right. if you were alive you were still working because no one had invented this concept of right. hanging it up work was work whether Worked you were then you 10 died. years old yeah. <laughs> or, or 80 years old uh yeah and people were also living not as long then i right. think the the uh average, the, the other, um, stat that he shared was that around 1900, the average uh, mortality uh, percentage for U.S. males in the first year of their life was 20%. Yeah. Meaning like, you know, you had a one in five shot of not making it through the first year of your life. And uh, we don't reach a 20% probability of of death uh, in the U.S. here for males until uh, age 62 now. Yeah. And that's that's like when people are thinking about retiring.
0: That was like the... the total life expectancy for men period. Like, uh, yeah, period. Like if you were 62 years old, you, you would be, you're considered above
1: average. Like you, you beat the odds at that point. Like you, you, uh, I think, so he said like a hundred years ago, the average American died at age 51. Right. Um, and now average retirement age is 62.
0: Right. So just to like put into perspective how relatively new the, the concept of retirement is and also how much longer people are living. If you take into account that people tend to retire around age sixty five nowadays, but you know, they're they're living longer into their nineties, potentially like to a hundred. Right. I mean that you retire and the natural reaction is I'm going to retire. I should be more conservative. I should protect my my assets and protect my money because I'm not going to be bringing in income anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to lose what I have. But at the same time, also are kind of also cutting the, yourself off. The, by f- the
1: phrase that comes up a lot is, I can't afford to like take losses in my investments. I agree to a degree. I think that you got to take uh, two ends of the spectrum and balance them. And so, obviously, yeah. you uh, may not live forever, yeah. Uh, and you want to make sure that you spend the money that you, you uh, took your entire career to accumulate. So you, yeah. you want to enjoy, you know, the fruits of your labor in retirement. But also, you got to weigh that against the other end of the spectrum, which is, what if what if I live until 95 and I spend too much early on in retirement? So right. how do you balance those uh, two, obviously, uh, very, very different problems of- uh, I need to
0: protect my money- but protection, I also need but it. also not outliving it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a fine line. And that's why at, you know, at the end, Ben stressed the importance of financial planning more than ever to, you know, make sure that you have a plan in place to like not outlive your money, but also not have it extremely too, like too much at risk. Yeah. Um, so the, the planning process is going to
1: help you to determine like what, what percentage of your assets can, can, sit in something safe and right. probably not earn too much interest these days. I mean, yeah. another stat that he shared in that post is that you know two, 2% inflation, if we average something like that over a 30-year retirement, let's say, beginning today, yeah. if you do nothing with your money, meaning you don't get any interest at all, it's, it's under the mattress or in a bank account earning yeah. nothing, 30 years of retirement halves the purchasing power that you have. So if you have a yeah. million dollars, 30 years from now, uh, the million dollars is only, only going to buy five hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. Right. And so, and and that's an average when we talk about inflation, because as many current retirees can tell you, uh, some things that we pay for in our society have decreased in value a ton. Like yeah. like electronics, for for example, like right. computers and TVs, the yeah. stuff that you can get now uh, the, the dollars go a lot further than they did like 10 years ago. And so there hasn't been, there's, there's been deflation in some areas of, uh, things you spend your money on. But, uh, at the other other end of the spectrum, you've got things like healthcare, uh, just exploding, like going through the roof. And so the things that retirees need may, may not all necessarily just be 2% more uh, per year. And that's not going to happen every year, but over time, Your money buys less stuff, and so you got to have some portion of your assets uh, growing. And so when you put together a plan, hopefully you come to an answer of, how much risk do I need to take? Because not many people want to take any more risk than they need to. And you you come up with a sensible mix of growth assets and stuff that's safer, that's going to throw off a little interest and and pay for the more current expenses, while you can take a little more risk with, with the growth piece and hopefully hedge against that risk of, running out of money, uh, you know, over 20, 30 years of not working anymore.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a, a balancing act there. And uh, another point that Ben brought up in the article was that people are worried or suggesting perhaps that all of the the baby boomer generation uh, retiring and potentially taking all of their money out of the market is going to crash the market. And he had, a, you know, a couple points to He was like, there are a number of reasons why I think that that's not correct or not going to happen. I mean, one of them being that, yeah, there's a large portion of people heading for retirement in the next decade, next handful of years. But it's been widely noted how baby boomer generation is very, very underprepared for retirement. So these people
1: are going to have to
0: have a larger percentage of that that balance that you were just mm-hmm. talking about they're going to have to have a larger percentage of it still invested to make up for their lack of savings that they didn't right. accumulate over Yeah, the you got to
1: come up with a mix that's it's usually a blend of of what the person is comfortable with and so people again tend to not want to take much if any risk once they reach retirement but realistically they may need to have a portion of their portfolio growing for the future and it may be it may be a portion that is uh more than they than they uh anticipated
0: Yeah Absolutely. He also noted how the millennial generation is now larger than the baby boomer generation just in general. So there the, are people the, there are yeah, people waiting who are
1: also going to be buying stocks as right. they accumulate and try to grow money uh, for their own futures yeah. and so as I'm sure yeah. is the
0: ca- has been the case with every you know generational turnover from the beginning of time.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think that using uh, demographics as as a Standalone metric for for why you know the the market can't continue. I don't think that yeah. that really works out. I think people just need to you know on their own terms figure out what a portfolio is going to look like that's that's going to stand up to reality, which is that if they're thinking about retirement in their early to mid sixties, they've got to plan for something that's twenty to thirty years, and obviously adjust over the course of time uh, as things happen. But you you really just got to have the right mentality with uh, your money because. While you may not think that you can afford to take any losses in the market, that may be true with a portion of your money that you wanna earmark for spending over the next one to three, three to five, five to 10 years even. Like you wanna be a little, you know, very conservative with stuff on the front end of that spectrum, Uh, a little bit more moderate with things in in the five to 10 year range. And then the 10 10 plus year money, yeah, you you wanna have that in an allocation that can grow. Yeah, and to just if it if it helps to separate those things out mentally to know that hey my portfolio is down a little bit because the market hasn't been so hot lately but I'm only really taking losses in the portion of it that I have earmarked for ten years down the road right at this point you you could yeah. you could mentally think of that portion of your portfolio whatever percentage is in there right oh that's my that's my twenty thirty money yeah all right well you know what I I do have some time to make that up the maybe volatility there is okay yeah maybe you don't have your monthly uh, 401k contribution going in anymore, which right. is certainly, you know, something to yeah. be aware of. Yeah. But you do have 10 years to ride out market volatility or, or whatever, you know, it actually breaks down to. And and if you look at the odds of growth being there over a horizon, such as 10 years plus into the future, uh, the, the odds are good that we're going to get through whatever it is, is the uh, Scary thing, du jour at that moment in time, and that and that money in that bucket will, you know, come through for you when you need it down the road.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.
0: In terms of financial planning and making sure that your money lasts for you and that you find the balance of, you know, enjoying your life now while also still having money for retirement. He's significantly younger than the people we were just talking about, but... The NFL running back, Adrian Peterson, was um, in the news yesterday and over the last couple days. Don't want to kick him while he's down, but uh, there's, a, there's a good lesson to be learned here in terms of the amount of income you have versus being able to live comfortably and you know not go into a serious amount of debt.
1: So there was an article in The Athletic, and the, basically the premise was that after this upcoming NFL season, Adrian Peterson... Will have earned over 100 million dollars playing football.
0: Highest-paid uh, running back in NFL history.
1: Correct. And uh, over the last two years now, there have been three lawsuits filed against him, uh, all pertaining to debt collection. Right. You know, he's taken out loans and hasn't made payments, and so people are coming to collect their money from this guy, who seemingly, you know, on the surface, most would most would think this this guy should be more than fine. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't think we have the full story and, uh, this could be another case of a professional athlete kind of being taken advantage of by, uh, you know, bad, bad players in, uh, in our industry or, or related industries in, in terms of, uh, money management, but whether he was receiving guidance or not, I think there's a lesson here that, that you can, you can be rich or poor at any income level uh, based upon what it is that you're spending. So we're looking at a guy who has made a hundred million dollars. And in terms of, uh, looking at his balance sheet, if we were to sit down and put one together for him, I would, I would, uh, guess that his net worth is negative or close to zero from the sound of things, which means, you know, he's, uh, he's poorer than somebody who hasn't even earned a million dollars in their, in their working career, but has been diligent in terms of, uh, you know, living beneath their means.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was going to say we, in our industry, it's become kind of a cliche phrase, but you know, live within your means is so important. I mean, I've heard from friends, uh, and peers that once I get to this income level, or once I get like, once I'm making a hundred thousand, I just want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year or X amount of dollars a year. And I don't like to lecture my friends, but you know, it's, uh, important to point out that the the income level is not necessarily the important part. It's the difference between what you're making and what you're spending. Yeah. You know, you can have someone who's making $40,000 a year, but they only spend $30,000 or $25,000 a year. And they're happier than the person like we we're just talking about, like a running back who made a hundred million dollars, but is in debt. It's got nothing to show
1: for it. Yeah. Um, so the income or, level or is less has important. a lot to show for it, yeah. but maybe doesn't doesn't own any of it. And it's all going to get repossessed sometime soon. Right. I think uh, Morgan Housel, who is a, a writer uh, who uh, we know from from Twitter and elsewhere, but yep. I think he has said some some variation of the quote that that wealth is what you don't see, yeah. implying that uh, you know your your savings and the stuff that you forego buying to make maybe wiser decisions is really uh, what turns into wealth over time, as opposed to, you know, that Mercedes in in the driveway or uh, the big house that you can't really afford or, you know, any number of other things. And, um, you know, I think it it doesn't, it's not necessarily to say that that you shouldn't ever buy those things. Like if if you can afford nice things that, that you want and you can fit it in and not stretch yourself too uh too thin or take on debt right to get it or turn your net worth into decidedly negative uh, yeah. equation then i think that's okay. Um i'm not here to tell people what houses to buy or what what brands to own but uh you just need to really take to heart that message of living beneath your means and and i think that uh it's a, it's a big reason why our process here for financial planning uh, and working with clients Always begins with putting together a, a map of their cash flow and their balance sheet for for their household because so many people and I think athletes and uh, maybe high high earners especially can be convinced that since they earn so much that doing like a cash flow worksheet is beneath them right and that they, that they don't need it but I mean that's it could no matter how many zeros are after the numbers it can get away from you and uh, I would I would venture to say even more so uh when there are more zeros than less because then when the debt adds up it's yeah. some serious money like these people are coming after Adrian Peterson for several million dollars a piece yeah. uh looking to collect their debts and not not sure how he got into this this spot exactly but uh man yeah you, you would you would think uh if you told somebody on the street hey you know you're going to earn a 100, 100 million million dollars over the course of your uh working career no matter what field you're in yeah I think most people would assume, based upon that, that they're going to be okay,
0: and that you never have to worry about money again. Right. You know, most if-
1: people would take one percent of that and say that they would, you know, that would set them up pretty nicely to not worry about money for the rest of their life if they if yeah. they got one one million dollars today. Yeah, I think that would help a lot of people out. But but the trick is not acting like you just received that million dollars, right? You you continue living your life based upon whatever, you know, your, your income level is now and doing the same or similar things that you're doing now. And let, let that money really be, uh, valuable to you rather than, you know, just stepping up and saying, well, I have this money now, so I'm going to spend it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, the, the income level for people is, is not as important as the spending and the savings. But also, just regardless of income level, debt in general is just a killer. Yeah. I mean, whether you're making 40 grand a year or 100 million dollars, mm-hmm. debt will come back to get you. Yeah. Uh, if you don't manage it correctly, and mm-hmm. that all works into the cash flows and everything that we were talking about. Yeah. So hopefully more comes from this story, and Adrian Peterson is okay. Hopefully that works out for him. Um, but still a, a good lesson nonetheless uh, to talk about. But that's going to wrap up episode number 267 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.